Hello there, and welcome back to the Senate Podcast. We're on episode number 14. I'm your host, Caleb Johnston, and today I'm joined by the infected man, Tony Quinones. Well, you know, I've uh, been fighting off these infected there for, for a long time. Uh, Actually, we're joined, <laughs> we're joined by Troy Baker. That's spot on. Really? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, there's no way that was good. No. <laughs> We're on episode 14. We're going to get into, obviously, why The Last of Us on HBO is better than the video game in certain ways. That's going to be the majority of the episode. But first thing we'll get into is I watched 65. You know anything about 65? Um, only that I think it might end up being the greatest movie ever made. I mean, you got Adam Driver as an astronaut, space traveler, whatever, and he crash lands on a planet where he has to fight dinosaurs. Like, how could you? And he has to protect the child, just like a certain other male character in a video game. Uh, I'm talking about Kratos from God of War, obviously. I, I'm i going to see that movie, and I'm going to, like, it doesn't have to be anything more than what it is, and I'll be like, that was amazing. Okay, you're going to love it then, because it's nothing more than that. But it does oh, it sweet. very well. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to spoil anything, but... All I want to say about it is it is a it's almost like a prehistoric but dystopian The Last of Us in a way. Mm. So he gets stranded with that girl. It ha- it it felt like Joel and Ellie in a way. Maybe it's just because I got done watching The Last of Us series yeah. and now I'm watching this with Adam Driver and this girl. But as as you go through the movie, you see that their relationship started out a lot like Joel and Ellie. Uh, he was just trying to get her. From point A to point B, and then they end up having uh, almost like a father-daughter connection. Like literally, it's it's like Joel and Ellie. So I couldn't stop thinking about that the whole time. But it is it's a good movie. The dinosaurs look better than a lot of the the moments in Jurassic Park. So I was I was kind of shocked at the production of of the movie. But it was nothing more than let's let's put Adam Driver on a planet with a girl and have him survive dinosaurs. That's I really miss when we had more small scale blockbusters. That's exactly what like it, is. it yeah. seems like everything now is either like a indie drama that like five people watch or like a MCU movie or something that you know is just kind of a big, expensive, gray, glossy looking pile of crap. That's been happening with a lot of these films now. Like I was excited for Wakanda Forever for the most part, and then it actually released, and I'm like. Eh, whatever. Like it it sucks that I feel that way, but I mean whatever. It yeah. is what it is. <laughs> so yeah, uh John Wick four comes out next week. So speaking of that, R.I.P. Lance Riddick, you hear about that? Yeah, I I don't know I know I've seen a few things with him in it. I don't know if I've played any games with him in it, but I mean I everyone knows who Lance Riddick is, you know. He was just like one of those guys it really seemed like like whenever he appeared in something he just brought like a level of gravitas to the Mm -hmm. role you know and yeah i mean they've uh you know the industry's lost a legend you know and that's always heartbreaking especially like he seemed like a pretty young guy he was probably yeah he looked great you know he looked like he took care of himself um I don't know. Do you know, like, specifically how he passed? No, so I don't think any of that information uh, 
is out there right now. It's just confirmed that he passed away at 60. He was in The Wire. He was in John Wick as the, I forget his character's name, but he had a cool character in John Wick. He was at the front desk, I believe. I believe it's called the Continental. Uh, He was in Destiny 1 and 2, or at least 2. And then he was Silence in uh, Horizon, both Mm. games. And Silence is a great character. He was the voice of Hellboy in the upcoming Hellboy game, which I think might be a roguelike. I'm not sure, but uh, oh, really, it looks great. Like the art style, like it basically looks like the Mike Mignola comic books. That's cool. So you know, like yeah. it'll now, like you know, playing that game when it's released, will have like this extra layer to it as like yeah. one of the yeah. last things he did. Well, that's like um, <laughs> Kevin Conroy. His last performance will be in Suicide Squad: Kill the Justice League when that comes out in 10 years, because that was just delayed indefinitely, according to uh, Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. So it's just really nice to know though, that like as much as we don't, we're not excited for that game now, since they've shared more about it. Yeah. We know that Kevin Conroy is going to give a great performance as always. Exactly. That'll be one thing that is a hundred percent guaranteed. Yeah, I'll definitely check out the game. Maybe not day one at this point. Depends on what they change. Uh, we'll see. I do want to see his performance in it, though. Love Kevin Conroy. All right. We mentioned a little bit about The Last of Us. Why The Last of Us on HBO is better than the video game. Let's just give our our thoughts on the series as a whole. And I'll start with you, but just... You don't got to tell me why you think it is or isn't better than the video game, but give me your thoughts on it and some maybe some things that it does uh, better than the game to justify being a series. Before I do that, I want to give a quick quote-unquote disclaimer. Um, I'm not exactly a huge fan of the series. Uh, I played the f- first game remastered on PS4 in 2020. Um, and you know, I heard like for years and years how much of a masterpiece it was, how emotionally it, it hits you. And then I beat it and I was like, yeah, I kind of felt that, but I don't know. I felt, I think my expectations were too high. So it didn't, I was like, oh, that was, you know, still pretty good. And then I played the second one and I loved it. But, um, can I just throw I st- in something real quick? Yeah. Um, just to elaborate on what you just said. I'll put something in the perspective. It isn't just a time and place thing, but it is in a way, especially Mm -hmm. with video games, because this came out in 2013. And if you were playing it day one, you know, that was the most advanced game at the time, really, when it, when, you know, came to cinematic game. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, you know, linear experience. I'm like really jealous of the people who, you know, played it when it was new because. I'm sure that was like, you know, for like yeah. everyone who played like Final Fantasy VII Remake or, you know. I was going to bring up Bioshock just specifically because I went back last week and actually played an hour of Bio- the first Bioshock game to try to get back into it. And the game is great, but it's so hard going back to games sometimes because with movies, you can just put it on and watch it. Games require more from you. And especially once technology, you know, evolves, if you don't have a remastered with 
better controls and graphics, it's very hard uh, to, to play the game, let alone have that almost like day one like experience. And I played Last of Us day one. It was the greatest video game experience ever. So that obviously helped, you know, elevate it to that masterpiece status you know you're just saying you're going back and playing it and yeah. you had your hopes you had your hopes up but you're a fan of you're you're not the biggest fan of the ip but you did enjoy the game yeah i still thought like there was still i was i mean obviously i played the whole game so that means i was invested in what was going on you know and uh it was still like you know i felt like really well made i had some emotional moments but even then, you know, like, and then, like, playing the second game kind of made me appreciate, you know, the f- first one more and all that. But even then, like, when I heard they were making a show, I was like, uh, as a lot of people were like, um, so it's just going to be like the cutscenes of the first game. Cool. Great. And then, you know, I saw episode one. We'll elaborate on this more, but I saw episode one. I was like, Okay, that was really well made, but it felt exactly like that. But, you know, I just kept watching more episodes and I love the show. I think it I think it's in some ways perfect or pretty damn close to perfect. The masterpiece. Um, yeah, it uh performance is great, the production value, good god. Better looking than a lot of big blockbusters that have way more money poured into them for sure. Uh definitely. Um, it hit me emotionally several times, uh, made me, uh, think about certain things in my life and internalize things that I never thought about. And that's always a great time being introspective is fun. You know, I love it. Um, I agree. It, it did. Yeah, it did. Um, that sh- the series definitely had that effect. So, I mean, even that, like, you know, like I obviously knew the story, when it was over, I had that feeling, not as strongly as some other pieces of media, but I still had that feeling like, oh, I don't, I don't want to say goodbye. You know, like I yeah. already feel like I want to rewatch it and I don't feel that with many things at all. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I should have went back and um, <laughs> rewatched the series, the entire series again before this, but like, the, like the game, I'll never be able to forget the game. It was, like I said, one of the greatest experience, game experiences I've ever had. It's a 10 out of 10 masterpiece for me. There's key moments in the game that not only will I never forget, but there are games a decade after that game came out right now. And there's games that haven't um, hit the highs of certain points of the original Last of Us game. And I was worried about the HBO series because I was like, what if this series tries to replicate those moments and it and it doesn't um it doesn't accomplish what the game accomplished a decade ago on a ps3 <laughs> you know what i mean yeah yeah i was worried so i didn't want it to like you know like you said be you know the cut scenes from the game but just in live action so once we started finding out some more information that um pedro pascal and bella ramsey were going to be in it you know i got excited because it's it's still a li- it's a little different than the game, and that's what we need because you can't recreate what the game already did. You can still have the story and the characters go about it um, in a way that respects the original, but it, it you have a little bit of a different um, um, execution 
but very similar outcomes, if that makes sense. And I think that's what the series did. We'll go through each episode and whatnot, but the series uh, was fantastic. I think it did a lot of things better than the game did because the game was a, a very cinematic, linear narrative experience, which obviously live action series can tackle things and execute on those specific things uh, better than games can sometimes because of the technology and the, and the limitations you know, in games. I'm, I'm big on the series. I thought it was great. Let's just go through the episodes. We can start with the first one and just kind of talk about the synopsis basically. And we'll go ahead and start with the first one. First one was called When You're Lost in the Darkness. And it was directed by Craig Mazin. And it was written by him and Neil. I'll go ahead and, and just uh, start with my thoughts on this. The, the beginning part of The Last of Us is one of the most important parts of the game because it it has the the moment that defines how Joel is going to be the rest of the game as a character. And that's obviously the death of his daughter, Sarah. And I remember the first time playing through this in the game. And I'm telling you, man, that part hit. I don't know how it was. Yeah, dude, your, I didn't know... I didn't know, like, I kind of heard, like, general spoilers about how the game ended, but I didn't know about that. So when I reached that point, I it put me in the shoes of, like, imagining how I would feel if, like, that was my daughter that, that you know, was shot and killed, and I freaking started crying, you know? And yeah. That's, like... I don't usually play like the first 20 minutes of a game or a movie or something and get emotionally hit like that. Yeah. So, you know, that was still something that I'm, I remember. I love the opening of the first episode. It's the cold opening, you know, they're on the talk show and he's like, you really should be worried about fungus. And, and then what that was in the eighties and he's and the guy in the talk show said, how long till you think this is going to be an issue? And what he say? He's like about 20 years. And then, of course, you know, 20 years later, that's when the start of the outbreak happens in the Last of Us universe. It happens. It's cordyceps, it's a type of uh, fungus. So that, that opening, and that was nothing, you know, that was nothing like the game. And I loved it because it gave us some background. It talked a little bit about cordyceps, which, you know, I think provided some crucial information for why, uh, you know, all of this was happening. It was, it was left a mystery in the game. And this is a theme throughout the HBO series is that they tackle some things that were left open-ended in the game. You know, we'll get into those specifically. But anyways, the first episode started out like that. And then, of course, it goes into the life of Joel Miller and his daughter, Sarah. You see them live their life and then the outbreak happens. Uh, and then it's just pretty much beat for beat like the video game from that point on. I think they tackled the death of, of Sarah perfectly. Uh, like Craig Mazin said in, in a lot of the interviews, is there were certain points in the show that they had to keep exactly like the game. And I think they nailed it, and they, they kept the parts that they needed to exactly the same, and that there were parts where, if, okay, if it didn't need to be the exact same, they could branch out a little bit. He did a great job directing the first episode. Yeah, For so sure. give me your thoughts on the first one. Yeah, um, the thing that stuck out to me, like, when I was listening to that scientist guy talk about, you know, the fungus, I was, like, sitting there thinking, you know, like, a few seconds, I felt like one of the characters that was probably listening to him in the, in the show, like, having this kind of existential crisis of, like, that couldn't happen. Could it? Could, 
could it get to that level? I don't know. I mean, we know they can control ants. Could they grow? I think, I think there might be like some instances of that affecting mammals or it could like, yeah. So I was yeah, like, well, in real life, it's, it's a thing. That's why they uh, chose the cordyceps for the, the yeah. last of a series, you know, it's just creepy, you know, to imagine that. Um, the other thing that like specifically stood out is like, I like seeing like more of Joel and Sarah, you know, like them just like, you know, being father and daughter and how they have this like relationship where they like, you know, joke around with each other and stuff. And like, it's like, we hardly see in the game, like how Joel was before the outbreak. Cause it basically starts and it's already, you know, started like shit's hit the fan already. So I like how Joel before the outbreak was like, he had a lighter personality, but he wasn't like, it's not like he just like drastically becomes a totally different person. You know, like I thought that was, you know, interesting. Um, when she goes to the house and you see behind her, like the old lady starts like twitching because the fungus has started rooting in her brain. Love that scene. Yeah. If I was, I was watching that. Loved like, it. Is she gonna do? Is she gonna do something? What's gonna happen? What the heck? Is Sarah? Let's just turn? <laughs> let's just say Craig Mazin, a genius. Him, obviously Neil is, but yeah, absolutely. Both of them, <clears throat> dream team. I do say my one criticism is that they simultaneously provide more of a build up to the outbreak, but they also don't. When they're having breakfast, you hear like a news report on the radio talking about something that happened in Jakarta. And then when Sarah's in the watch store, you hear like sirens driving down the street and the, and the lady is like, oh, you have to leave. We have to close up early. But like, aside from that, like, it felt like they were like, well, we can't spend that much time building this up. And I was like, no, but why? Like, if you're going to like show more of a buildup, show more of a buildup, you know what I mean? Like it, it felt a little rushed in my opinion. They, they definitely, um, I think they definitely should have made the first episode into two separate episodes and filled it, uh, 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 it a little more. That was originally the plan, but then they made it one. I don't remember why. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Either way, the way they did it, I kind of liked that the first episode was an hour and a half because, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I listen to a comedy podcast where they could not stop talking about the first episode of The Last of Us. I think a lot of it had to do with it felt like a movie. Uh, it was an hour and a half long. Yeah. A lot happens. Yeah, you're right. They should have split it into two. Yeah. Added a little bit more to the build up. And but, uh, but with that being, yeah, the it's pretty much the, so like the only other things that stick out to me are uh, when Sarah dies. I don't think this was in the game. Y'all let me know if I'm wrong. Uh, Joel, like, you know, like he's like crying in desperation and he he's like, Tommy help me like he like he's like asking Tommy to help him you know because like he just he doesn't yeah. know what to do and like I thought that was like it felt more like you could tell that he was just you know lost in that moment he'd know what to do yeah and then it, bro like the I'm inclusion sorry, of Tom yeah the inclusion of Tommy in the in the series is one of my favorite aspects because obviously he was in the game of course but the actor and the way they write Tommy in the series I loved it he, he sounds just like Tommy awesome. too. <laughs> he does. Yeah, it's it's they both did an amazing job. Loved it. Yeah. Um and then the thing that stuck out to me the most that happens I think it's pretty much the end or no, it's like 
they're throwing infected bodies into the fire? Well, that's outbreak day. So you're talking about 20 years later. Yeah. When they show um, Boston, Massachusetts. So yeah, yeah. that's the second part of this episode. 20 years later, they're in uh, Boston, uh, the Boston QZ. You get to, you get to meet um, Tess. You see uh, Joel and Tess, they're smugglers. And the second part of this episode, you meet uh, Ellie. So the first, the first part was uh, breakout day and the buildup to, you know, the outbreak and you see Sarah die and then it go, you go 20 years into the future, you meet uh, Tess and Ellie. So just want to set that up because from there, uh, you basically get the whole Boston portion of the video game. So yeah, yeah, because like the thing that they don't show in the game that I didn't know that it was something I wondered about until they addressed it was like, okay, what do they do with like people that they think are infected, you know, you know, like the people that die. And then like, just seeing how like, he's like, at this point, Joel's so like hardened emotionally that like, he like the woman he's working with sees that one of the bodies is a kid. And then she's like, no, I can't do this. And then Joel's like, okay, well I can do yeah, it. Stand back. He just grabs the, like, I just sat there like yeah, I got this. I'll do it myself. Yo, and then before that too, like when they show a kid, he's like he's like wandering through you know the area, and he gets to the Fedra base, and then the lady scans him, and like it shows that he's infected, and then she like lies to him, and she's like you know we're we're gonna you know get you some food and a nice change of clothes. Like I could like. You could look at that and say, oh, you know, they're evil, which, yeah, in a way they are. But, like, also when you're a doctor or something and you have to, like, tell, say, like, one of your patients is, you know, like, they're going to die for sure. Yeah. Like, you know, like, trying to give that assurance when you know, you know, like, yeah, you're gonna what do you do hope. in that situation? Were they supposed to be like, oh, kid, you're infected, so you're going to have to die? Nobody could do that. You find me one person who could do that. Added to Fedra a little bit, in my opinion, and made them more than just, like, the, the faceless bad guys that they pretty much are in the game. And I thought that was cool. Yeah, so I wanted to bring up, you know, we're talking about the QZ life in Boston, and obviously this is where you meet Fedra. They're in charge. They're basically the military um, that's that's taken over because of you know the world falling apart. And then you also meet the fireflies. Um, this is where Ellie is being kept. She's chained up in a room, basically. And the in Marlene's introduced, she grabs Ellie and she's like, "Okay, we need to get you across the country. So we're going to get you the smugglers, Joel and Tess." And Marlene enlists the help of joel and test for this and she promises a payout that's the only reason they're doing it they're doing it for the money all they see is ellie as cargo at this point so they get ellie and then i'm just going to go ahead and run through the very end of this episode this was a long episode so a lot happened they uh they get ellie they're she, all she is is cargo to them they're transporting her um joel and tess are trying to smuggle her out of the qz they successfully do that except that they run into one fed remember that uh, basically puts them on their knees and scans them, you know, to see if they're infected. Scans Ellie. It comes up as infected. You know, the federal officer goes to kill Ellie. Joel beats him to death. 
because it's a, a similar thing to, you, to what you see at the beginning of the episode or towards the middle where Sarah dies. He kind of gets those flashbacks and he, the savage, you know, part of him takes over, kills that officer. And then him and Tess look back at Ellie like you're infected. And she then has to explain that she is, you know, as far as we know, the only person that is immune. And that's how they end the episode. What did you think about how they pulled that um, that part off with? Because that's a big moment in the game where Joel kills that Fedra officer that points the gun at Ellie. And then they find out that Ellie is uh, immune. Yeah, so this is one of the things... <clears throat> that I initially had a problem with because like in this show like like when he's when when the, the guy's like pointing his gun at Fedra, Joel has like flashbacks of when Sarah was, you know, shot and stuff and he couldn't protect her. And then he just beats the crap out of this dude. Like he punches him in his face until he dies. Oh, so Ellie I mean so Joel is like having this like fatherly instinct to protect this g girl that he just met like this early what are they doing this is stupid and then in the behind the episode thing that they show after the episodes are over and on the podcast Neil Druckmann was like yeah like in that moment it's basically like that fatherly instinct and then just like how the cordyceps infects people's brains and controls their their actions you know in this moment joel's trauma essentially controls him you know and he has that moment where like he's not in control like his instinct takes over and then i thought about it and it's like okay but yeah like in real life if you have kids and you see that a kid's in danger it doesn't matter if you know that kid or not. Your instinct is going to be to protect them because that's just who you are now. You're somebody who protects kids. So I thought that was like a smart way to kind of like have something with Joel and Ellie early that kind of like in episode two that has an effect too. And like I, I think for like a show, you know, like there's not as much like dialogue and character interaction as in a game. So I thought for them to have that this early and that be like a seed that'll be watered throughout the series, I thought was a really smart thing to do. Exactly. So I, and they ended the first episode with that, um, which is is pretty far in the beginning of the game for them to you know, include it in the first episode. So I think they ended it at a good spot to pick up the in the next episode, which we can move to. And I, I want to take some time on the first and second episode and probably the last episode too. Uh, let me just read a little bit about the second episode because it is labeled infected. This is might be my favorite episode because it was directed by Neil Druckmann. And I think that this is one of the best directed episodes in yeah. the entire uh, series. Probably episode two and three are just, they're outstanding. So episode two was infected. And then this, you see, in this episode, you see their whole journey from Boston to DC, essentially, or not to DC. I, I keep saying DC. Why do I, why do I say DC so much? I think maybe that's the how it was building. in the game. No, they they went to the Capitol building in, in oh, Boston. Yeah. Oh yeah, the so, cap yeah, I yeah. All they're doing is take. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't I don't know. 
<laughs> so um, it's because I'm drinking this Zoa right now, and this Zoa got me uh, got me messed up. So thanks, Dwayne Johnson. They're, they're going from the Boston QZ to the Capitol building in this episode, and obviously this is where the infected are probably the most prominent throughout the entire series, except for the ending of the one episode, which we'll get to. So infected, um, great episode. I think the directing was amazing and the ending specifically yeah. was great. Um, seeing Tess get infected and sacrifice herself. All right. So how about you give me your impressions on, on this episode? All right. This episode, it it's when the show started to like win me over because it's, it has the same general like structure of this part of the game, obviously, but it's, pretty different like that i felt like the changes were like what i wanted more of from the first episode like okay they're gonna actually do this um i love you know there's a moment pretty pretty early on where like um they're walking through like this like flooded building and then joel like he helps i love that. ellie yeah. uh cross with the hand that he punch the fedra soldier with and then like he has the there's this like awkward moment where like he like pulls back his hand and then like he kind of looks at it and he's like okay i protected this girl in this moment of fury and now like how do i explain that like what do i because he's not like the most emotionally mature person i like that they're already setting up that awkwardness with them Bella Ramsey's performance, first of all, like when Joe and Tess are talking, and then she's like, if she's so much as twitches, and then like she pretends to twitch <laughs> like an infected, like yeah. that was in the trailer, but like, you know, because people were skeptical of her performance and stuff, but I thought she nailed it. And then like the dialogue with them as they're walking was really good. It felt like the game, which it was uh, written and directed by Neil. So, I mean, obviously, he put his own flair in there like he did with the game uh the clicker scene was fantastic like yes it was like they pulled the clickers right from the game one thing i want to say about the entire uh, this entire first season is there's certain points in the game where interactions with the infected like this happen that i think are crucial to the action of the last of us and this was one of those moments was in the museum on the way to the state house there's a few other a few others in the game that should have been in this uh first season like at the um, the high school which they completely cut out of the billstown section that was one and the sunken building when you get to the university that was another one and then uh the last one would be probably the tunnels in Salt Lake City. So there was about four, maybe five total that they kind of cut out. But this was one that they left in. And I think this was probably the most important one, though, because it's the first time you see the clickers like this. And they, like you said, they pull it directly from the game. And I think a lot of that has to do with Neil um, directing it. So this was, I mean, this was probably the best interpretation you know, of a video game in live action that we've ever seen. Yeah, definitely. Uh, last thing, this episode starts 
and with a cold opening like we were talking about, and I have it pulled up here. It's in Jakarta, Indonesia. And it opens with the military there finding a mycologist. And a mycologist is a professional um, uh, who studies plant diseases. So they bring they bring this mycologist in so she can study what's happening to a man that's been infected. And they found that people from this flour mill in Indonesia were getting infected by this type of uh, plant disease that they call cordyceps. So it opens with that, and it's it's very it's very tense. And at the end, the military they ask this mycologist, you know, how can we stop this? And she just looks and she says, "Bomb the city, kill everybody." That was floored, dude. Yes, like, see, because we know in the game when they're walking through, uh, it's a part of this section that they didn't include. But like they're walking through this part, and like. I didn't know that they even referenced this until recently. I saw like a, I saw the clip, but like they're briefly talking about like this is where the QZ bombed, or like one of the places that they bombed. Yeah. But like seeing the fall, like how the that happened in the show, and like just the horror, like when she's like when she pulls the cordyceps out of the guy's mouth and it starts like moving and she drops it, like they how they just linger on it they just linger on it and just let it be creepy like it, yeah Neil really so wanted to sh show off the cordyceps in this one and uh he actually creates a whole new aspect to the cordyceps that we've never seen before at the very end of the episode uh when they get to the state house in the game the state house gets swarmed with fedra uh soldiers but in this they get to the state house and it's covered in uh ha help me out here it's covered in um uh, fungus right and they step on it and the fungus is spread throughout the entire city and when they step on this fungus it basically activates you know and wakes up infected from miles away because they're all connected through this fungus yeah, and when it's like they a step hive on this, mind yes it's like a hive mind so when they step on this in the state house it basically calls all the effect infected in the city to this point because they can feel it through the fungus that's something that isn't in the game. Um, it was a you know, great inclusion. It makes sense because of the nature of you know, fungus and, and cordyceps being all connected like this. So at this point, uh, Tess is infected. She only has a few hours left. She begs Joel as her dying wish to um, take Ellie to where she needs to go because she may have the cure for everything. And that's her dying wish. So Joel leaves with Ellie as Tess sacrifices herself. Great ending to the episode. You have anything else to say about it? I love the subtle detail of uh, when uh, when she's talking about how she got bit. She uh, she takes a step towards Joel, and then Joel like takes a step back, like he's afraid of her now. Like I just love because the one thing that I love that they showed in episode one is that, uh, when Joel's laying in bed and then like Joel, like gets in bed and like, you know, like she, like, she like puts her arm uh, around him and stuff and like lays close to him. Like, because in the game, I, I never knew. I was like, are they a couple? Are they friends with benefits? What's going on with them? I mean, it really, I like didn't how they matter, but I liked it in the show. They essentially, are a couple so that moment hits a little harder in my opinion because 
um you know it's like joel like it's like he doesn't want to acknowledge that he's losing you know a woman that maybe he doesn't love but he has you know some level of affection for uh presumably the only person you know he's ever had that type of uh relationship with since sarah or you know pre-outbreak yeah, yeah. And, and that was over the course of 20 years and over the course of everything that he's done that they allude to. And, you know, like you were talking about with him having no problem with the child corpses, you know what I mean? Um, he's done some bad stuff, and that's a theme throughout this uh, this game, first game and, and first season here. So with episode three, because episode three is an entire episode that played at, plays out completely different than the game. And episode three is called Long, Long Time. It's uh, essentially the Bill's Town section of the game where you're introduced to um, Bill and Frank. Great episode. I have a lot of thoughts on it, but go ahead and, and give me your rundown of the entire episode. I like that this is uh, essentially like a alternate outcome for Bill and Frank because that's true. In the game, yeah, completely different. In the game, uh, you know, like, uh, you're Joel and Allie are walking with Bill, you know, through the town and stuff to get, uh, he, he, he has a truck that he's gonna lend them and stuff and he can get a battery for it. So, you know, they go over to his place and then in like the next room or whatever, I don't remember exactly. Like we see a guy hanging from the ceiling and then like Bill looks at it and he's like, you know, stunned. And then, Joel asks, is this a friend of yours? And he said, that was my partner. And then we find a letter that Frank wrote that's basically like, I want more out of life than this. You know, like I, you know, essentially like, like they were like having some, you know, problems and then he got infected. So he committed suicide. And then, you know, like that was basically like, like the purpose that that serves in the game is showing like, how tragic love can be like you know like what uh tragedy can lead from it but i love in the show it it's the opposite it shows like how beautiful love is and how important it is to fight for it even you know in these times i don't want to uh i really know how to say this in a way i don't want to sound like i don't know like insensitive because i know you're a christian and i i was and like one of in some sects of Christianity, you know, you're, you know, they tell you that like, you know, homosexuality is like, you know, something that you should like frown upon and stuff. But like this episode for me kind of helped me get past some like internalized homophobia or whatever you could say that I had towards like, you know, like men that were gay mostly, you know, like by the end, like when, We'll elaborate more on what happens later, but like when Frank's like, I don't want to fight anymore to stay alive. So, you know, we're going to have, you know, one last day together, you know, we'll have a nice meal, you know, we'll go buy some clothes and marry each other. I started bawling, you know, because I was like, and then then later they reveal that Frank's going to choose to die. I mean, Bill's going to choose to die with him, but like that was you know, like a moment for me where it like these two men and the love they had, like they slowly won me over. And, you know, that was like a big personal thing for me. 
in a way. I, I think everybody who's who watched this episode had that walked away with that same uh, that same um, sentiment. It's funny, um, you know. I was talking to one of my friends who watches uh, watches The Last of Us, and I asked him. I said, "Hey, man, what do you think about episode three? Because obviously, this episode everybody was talking about. It was kind of polarizing, but for the most part, everyone thought that this episode was incredible." I was talking to my friend. I said, "Hey, hey, man, what do you think about episode three? He said, "Man, you know the series is good when it has me over here crying over two gay men." <laughs> and I was like, "You know what?" I think that really speaks to the talent of Neil Druckmann and it really speaks to the talent he has as a storyteller. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not on, not just um, as a game designer or programmer or whatever, a writer, as a director, a storyteller. He took this um, very actually you know bleak, depressing aspect of the game and turned it into the most hopeful moment in the in the first season. And he even says it at the end. He says, Hey guys, get ready because this is the most hopeful this show is going to be from here on out. It's only going to get more depressing and go downhill. Maybe that they, they chose to include, um, Bill and Frank as kind of, um, okay, this is the high point. Now everything from here on out is going to be at the opposite end of the spectrum. It is going to be intense and depressing it's going to be, you know, death essentially, which, you know, we'll talk about the next two episodes because it's the complete opposite of this. But in terms of the Bill and Frank's relationship, it was um, an extremely different outcome than the game. Yeah, yeah. Which I think was fine because, you know, Craig Mazin and him talk at the end of the episode about this was one of the aspects where it does, it's not about Joel and Ellie aspect where they have the room to change a few things, take more liberty than other, you know, aspects of, of the uh, show or the game. So I think it was fine. So I think some people were mad that they changed it up from the game a little bit, but I just wish there would have been a little bit more focus on Joel and Ellie because the show and the game's about them too. Yeah. I think that's, you know like, what I mean? I feel like it should have been a more even split. It, yeah. Just an even split or, just more of of Joel and Ellie in it, but just what they did have in this episode, it was it was done very well. Well, one more quick thing I want to throw in there is this is when because in the game, you know, like for <clears throat> for a lot of it, Joel's you know he's not exactly a guy who wears his heart on his sleeve by any means, you know. And I had a hard time. I mean, I guess. I, that's probably the idea. I had a hard time connecting with him because, like, s something would happen and he would react in this, like, really, like, you know, asshole business. Way. Yeah, but you like, know, like I don't care, whatever. But like, yeah. I, I love when, uh, you know, um, he's reading the letter that Bill wrote for him. You know, about like, you know, s addressing, you know, like you and I are the kind of guys who find someone we love and you know it's our job to protect him and lord help anybody who stands in our way and then joel has that moment where he walks outside and like he did he cries a tiny bit because like he's reflecting on you know like losing tests and stuff yeah and then that was the moment where i was like this is this is what i wanted 
this is what I needed from the game. I relate to Joel so much more now because like, well, yeah, yeah. I just love like, you know, like it's not like he doesn't start bawling or anything, but he just has a moment where, you know, he like, he like shows he's sad, but he doesn't want Ellie to see he's sad. That's something that I relate to. That's how I respond to, you know, things that I'm feeling. So like just that small moment right there did wonders for me. Well, the letter that Bill left mentions Tess in it. He says, you and Tess can take whatever yeah. you need. And and because obviously he dies before uh, Joel arrives, <clears throat> you know. And oh my he God, dude, I want to, I might actually start crying at least at, at a few points during this podcast. But uh, when Bill and Frank are talking about how Frank, you know, wants to, you know, like let himself just die peacefully. That helped me understand love because what he said when he's like, you know, I've had a lot of bad days with you. Some of my worst days have been with you, but I've also had more good days with you than anyone else. Dude, that broke me. Yeah. And, that and absolutely broke me. <laughs> this was a, a point where they could, they could take those liberties. And later on in, in the story of the last of us including the second game you get this type of relationship between joel and ellie but you, you can't have it yet so they kind yeah. of use this third episode as a way of hey this is um this is how you can not only just survive but live in a world like this with people you care about it's kind of almost um, a foreshadowing of what's what's going to happen between um, Joel and Ellie. In the third episode, you kind of see the whole process. You see the beginning, middle, and end of that, and you're talking about the the specific ending whenever whenever they die. Joel gets that from the letter. Whenever him and Tess met Bill and Frank, you see the flashbacks. So now you see Joel. You see you're you're in the place of Joel in this episode where he's reading the letter and thinking about, you know, everything that Bill and Frank have been through. And yeah. that's what Joel realizes when he reads the letter. So he reads the letter and it obviously mentions Tess and Tess's dying wish was, Hey, take this girl. It, she's, she's the key. She's the cure. Joel sees that he reads it. He's like, all right, Ellie, I'm going to get you to where you need to go. So they get on the road and in the game, they head to Pittsburgh. They change that. For the, the show, they head to Kansas City, which is fine. It's not that big of a deal. So the next two episodes actually take place over the course of the Pittsburgh section in the game. Obviously, in the show, it's Kansas City, and this is where you're introduced to um, two characters from the game as well as two new characters for the show. And I'll just introduce them real quick, and then I'll let you go. Kathleen, she is the rebel leader in Kansas City. And then you're also introduced to Perry, who's played by Jeffrey Pierce, kind of the um, enforcer, I, I guess. And then, of course, um, Sam and Henry towards the end, which I can't wait to talk about them. But real quick, give me your thoughts on this episode. We just came out of episode three, super emotional. Now we're on episode four. Please hold my hand. That's the name of it. So give me your thoughts. I really like this episode. Um, I was a little let down by the big action scene that happens, you know, when Joel like crashes into the store and it's like, 
I was like, oh, this is going to be an epic shootout like the game. And then it's literally just Joel standing behind the truck firing at a guy who's standing behind something firing at him. And then he tells Ellie to go hide. And then it's over. But then, um, I do love when uh, that guy sneaks up on Joel and then Ellie shoots him in the back and stuff. And he's like pleading for his life, which yeah, may or may not have been genuine. You know, that's up. That's something people are split on. But uh, I love that moment afterward where, like, Joel, like, in the game, th- th- there's a moment where Ellie kills a guy to save Joel and he's, like, mad about it. He's like, I didn't tell you to do that, you know, like, yeah. you know, he's, like, mad about it. But in the show, he's, like, trying to, like, comfort her, but he doesn't know what to say. And then, like, she even acknowledge it she's like you're pretty bad at this and he's like yeah i am but like i love that moment with them and then like him showing her how to properly hold the gun and then like that big smile she has on her face like that like for the whole episode i was just like every few minutes being like oh like it was just so wholesome you know like in such a graphic i say yeah, and I say they, but I guess, I guess I really just mean Neil. Neil knows Joel and Ellie's dynamic. I think Craig really contributed to the overall storytelling and in um, you know, pace and you know, uh, placement of each episode and set piece and whatnot. But Neil knows these characters. The relationship between Joel and Ellie and the their dynamic of how it evolves from really, you know, being two people that don't like each other and and they were kind of fighting in the first episode to now being, okay, we need each other to survive. Well, not yet. Ellie needs Joel to survive and then yeah. he's, he's given her the gun like you're, like you're saying and you see their relationship evolve. And this episode is a lot, you know, probably half to do with seeing Ellie and Joel evolving their dynamics um, you know, shifting now to being like, okay, we're, we have a, we have a common goal. How are we going to accomplish this goal? And then the other half of this is the introduction, introduction of the new characters. Um, the leader, uh, Kathleen and Perry, I did not like the introduction of these two characters. I thought it was pointless Okay, and all that, but (laughs) we, we can get into that. Give me your thoughts on the rebels and Kathleen and Perry, and then we can just move into the next episode. Cause not okay. much happens in this one, but yeah. give me your thoughts. Uh, on yeah. This. Okay. You know, I've seen, you know, people split on how they feel about Kathleen. Um, I will say as for Perry, uh, Jeffrey Pierce, who is the voice of Tommy in the game. I felt like his role and Troy's role, which we could, which we'll talk about later, were letdowns in terms of like what they actually like. I don't feel like they really did anything. It was just. I feel like the performance you know, they were there. was great, but the <clears throat> writing, yeah, was not. But as for Kathleen, my baby Valenie Linsky plays Kathleen. I can't explain it, but I feel like she would be a great wife. Anyway, um, not. Kathleen, the lady who plays her. Um, I really like Kathleen. I really, because 
I've heard people be like, oh, you know, she isn't menacing. How did she become the leader of this group? And it's like, bro, some villains are purely people that mess with your head. They don't have to be tough. She's basically Lex Luthor. In episode five, she freaking um, interrogates a group of people. And then she's like, okay, none of you want to talk? Execute him. And then one guy rats. Yeah. And then she's like, okay, I'm not going to kill you. And then she walks out. And then one of the guys is like, are you really going to let them live? And she's like, no, of course not. Like she is ruthless, but not in the traditional way. Like she freaking shot that doctor when she realized he's not useful to us anymore. Like I, and I liked it. She, you know, like they didn't spend like a long time on her backstory, but they established her motivation. And it's pretty similar to Joel's motivation, which I thought was cool. You know, like she lost someone she loves and she wants vengeance. And that can lead you to be irrational and narrow-minded. And I thought she was a great inclusion personally. And um, I wish they did that more, you know, what they did with other villains. But um, yeah, that she was... Uh, one of my favorite things about episode four and five, because in the game, like Neil and Craig talk about on the podcast, like the villains are like just NPCs, you know, like they're just these people that you kill. And I like that the show was like, okay, well, well let's show what their side of the story is. I agree. I want to add two things um, real quick for this episode, and then we can move to the fifth one. One is the Pittsburgh section in the game, which is the Kansas city, the Kansas city episodes in this, in the show, there is not a singular, um, bad guy or villain. It's actually the thugs and Fedra who you're running into sporadically through, you know, traveling through Pittsburgh. So I like in the show how they did give, the group in that section, a leader, and they turned you know her into a villain. I, I like that. I get it. It gave motivation for Sam and Henry, which is obviously a pivotal part in the journey of um, Joel and Ellie going to uh, Salt Lake City. I like that. I like that about the episode. I think I just don't like how they executed on the re- the rebels in Kansas specifically. But I like that they did give, instead of just random, um, you know, uh, thugs or gangs and Fedra, they actually turned it into this um, rebel group with their own motivations, like you said, even similar to Joel. So you can kind of see that they're not just NPCs, that you they have a story that you can possibly empathize with, which is a, a big, big aspect of the second game. Okay, so we were talking a little bit <laughs> before the podcast about the production value, and we even mentioned it earlier. Production for The Last of Us Season 1 is better than a lot of shows out there, even some movies. Production's amazing. We also talked a little bit how the production dips a little bit after Episode 3, and that may have been another reason I wasn't as big on this section Um or, or these episodes, four and five, even, um, you know, later episodes. But I think the production dips a little bit. And maybe it's because they had the budget, because once we get into episode five, 
we see the infected come back, we see a bloater for the first time, we see a little bit more action. So I think this episode was it was a little bland and a little bit, yeah. A, a little bit. And for me personally, this episode brought the season down. I loved it overall but a little bit for me. I did have that feeling like by the time it was done, I was like, wow, that was, you know, like really sweet and stuff, and I really like that. But also it it was kind of like whatever. <laughs> it was kind of it was kind of like whatever, yeah. So the end of the episode they find um a size Scott been talking for a while i got that out i'm gonna edit that out um they find a skyscraper and they are trying to make a route out of the city episode five starts they wake up with guns in their face and it's sam and henry i love sam and henry i love this part of the yeah. game. i think it's one of the the best parts of the game and i think this show did it better than the game yeah this, episode five is is top three all right, so go ahead. Uh, let me know your thoughts. Go ahead, give give us the rundown. I love uh, it's from on the podcast episode talking about this one. Uh, Craig said that um, he he thought of the idea of uh, making Sam deaf, so that like I love it. It's he perfect. would have to rely on Henry even more, and then like he like texted that to Neil, and then Neil was like, "You mother." I I wish I'd thought of that. <laughs> you know, it's perfect. Like, it was yeah. Like I I love the added depth that they gave to Henry. Where like you know, like he needed some medicine for his brother. He was sick, which I feel like was maybe like a little redundant. Like he's deaf and he also had an unspecified sickness. But I mean, he needed medicine for Sam, and then so he ratted out. Kathleen's brother, who was the original leader of the faction, and then he got killed by Fedra. You know, so it's like he technically has blood on his hands, but he's never had to be violent. And he's never and, killed anybody. Yeah, and that makes it worse for what happens later, because that's the first time he's had to do that, and it's the worst possible experience he could have had. But uh yeah, their dynamic, uh Ellie being like kind of like a protector of sam how joel's like a protector of her was really sweet i i love that um you know like how like sam has to like write things down to talk because he's deaf i thought like i thought that was cool because like you know like it's basically he could still talk to his brother and stuff in a way that is quiet and won't draw attention to themselves and then, dude, I freaking choked up uh, when uh, Sam and Henry are talking, like, in the place they're staying, in the the attic. And then he gives Sam a hug because he's scared. And then he looks and sees that, like, Sam drew Henry as, like, a superhero. Superhero oh, with the mask. God, dude. Because yeah. I, you know, I lost my brother last year. So that kind of made me think, like, I was, like, thinking, you know, in this kind of situation... I know that my brother, even though we weren't like really, really close, he he would have been that dude for me, you know, to be like, I got your back, you know, you don't have to worry about a thing. Yeah. They they made it believable. The the execution in in episode five, and let me just uh go let me say the name. Episode five was Endure and Survive. It actually had the biggest um 
uh, viewership, I believe. I'm looking oh, on cool. fandom right now. It has 11.6 million uh, viewers. Uh, so that episode was huge. And it might be like that because it's saying that it was also on HBO, not just HBO Max. I'm not sure. I got to look in the five more and see what's up with it. So Endure and Survive. Uh, they made it believable. So we've only really talked about the first half of it, and we're talking about the relationship between Sam and Henry and, and the changes they made. They made um, Sam deaf, which I think is so interesting in a game where the infected literally use noise as a, as a means of, um, you know, uh, navigation and awareness and traversal they use echolocation essentially so if you're deaf you don't know how much noise you're making yeah you know what i mean so i I thought about that aspect too when it comes to um survivability and that obviously like craig mason said he relies on henry even more so now all right then we get to the point in the episode where they have to confront the rebels they're trying to get out of the city uh, the rebels are tracking them down, and they have this fight at the end. And I love this section of the it game. Was so I loved good, it dude. in the in this season because Joel gets up, he takes out the sniper, and Joel is at the top in this crow's nest with a sniper. And if you notice, he's only covering Ellie with yeah. the sniper. <laughs> I love that because Ellie is with Sam and Henry. It's them three, but Joel has the sniper. He's only protecting Ellie um, from. The rebels, and then out of nowhere, bloater breaks through the ground. Infected come out. It's the rebels against the infected, and then of course Sam and Henry um, and Ellie are trying to survive. This was a great moment. So, tell me um, what you thought about this part because it was it was it was chaos in the best way. Um, I was. This was the first time we see a bloater. So, what did you think about the bloater? I was a little worried that that whole section would be like, you know, like cheap looking, like very effects heavy, and like you know when they're all coming out of the hole, it's like a ton of them. Obviously, they're special effects, but like it was still practical. You know, like when you saw them getting taken out and stuff, the bloater surprisingly looked good. Like I hated fighting him in the game. In the school, because he throws those <laughs> yeah. like smoke pellet things at you, and it's freaking annoying. I died so many times. Uh, th- that was great. The intensity was great. Uh, that 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 clicker that breaks into the car that Ellie's hiding in, being a little girl, was one of the creepiest things I'd ever seen. Ellie using a shiv to kill infected to protect Sam and Henry was awesome and a great reference to the game because you can craft shivs you know to take out the clickers and stuff um that was like i i like i feel like the the action peaks pretty good for half of the show and then it doesn't for the later half like in episode one there isn't really any action you know and then there's a little bit in the middle and then it and then there's a low Episode two, there's a little bit, and then episode three, there's a low. Episode four, there's a there's a little bit, and then there's a low, and then it escalates here. And I wish that it had that same flow for the rest of the season. 
So that was the best action by a mile. But I also wonder if they spent a lot of their money on that. And then they were like, oh, crap. We still have four more episodes. Damn. Whoops. (laughs) Like, you know, so I love it for the spectacle and how it was shot and stuff. But I also look at it and I'm like, that shouldn't have necessarily been the peak. Because like the other action scenes later, except for episode nine, are noticeably less. Yes. So this this one almost ended with um, a very um, intense action scene between the rebels and the infected. And it could have ended there. But it didn't. The ending was um, one of the most shocking moments in the game, one of the most shocking moments in this first season. Sam Henry, Joel, and Ellie get through the chaos that is the city um, of, of Kansas they were going through with the rebels. They make it to a safe house somewhere. I think it was uh, like a motel or something. And <laughs> what happens is you find out that Sam uh, was bit and he was infected. He, I, w- I want you to explain this because he has um, a conversation with Ellie. And I, I think this was one of the most emotional moments of the entire uh, <laughs> season. I think, it was, I think it's a little bit even underrated and it was the highest viewed episode. Yeah. Uh, Ellie tells Sam that her blood, you know, is a cure. So like she like slices her palm open and like rubs it on sam's wound because you know she's a kid like she obviously doesn't know that that's not going to do anything and then on the podcast uh troy was talking about this and he got choked up i might get choked up but he was like 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 one detail he pointed out is like because like in in like you know zombie media people wonder how much of the original person is still in there once they're infected and Mm -hmm. I didn't even notice it until I heard Troy point it out. Ellie wakes up and Sam, yeah, he's, he's facing the other direction. So that means that Sam was still in there, you know, and then he attacks Ellie and then how did you want to say something before we get to, so I actually have a little analysis of this part. I think, it's ve- I think this is very interesting. Sam writes down on his board, he, he asks Ellie the question, when you're infected, how much of the original person is still left in there? He's scared. So then Ellie, like you said, does what she does. They go to sleep. They wake up, and Ellie wakes up. She obviously isn't uh, being attacked. She just looks over, and Sam is there with his back turned, looking away from Ellie. Ellie wakes up. She starts talking to Sam. Sam doesn't move. Remember, Sam is deaf, so this is now a deaf infected that can't hear. And that's all that the infected use, especially when they're clickers. I mean, infected, normal infected can see, but the clickers only use sound. Now, this is a deaf infected, um, you know, child. So he doesn't attack Ellie until Ellie goes, and I I believe she puts her hand on his shoulder or comes around so that he can see her so it was very it was just interesting how there was a deaf infected um you know kid that we've never seen anything like that so now there's another layer once he turns 
And then obviously the insight that Troy Baker had at the podcast at the end of the episode. So anyways, she goes around. Sam starts attacking her. They fly through the door into the room where Henry and Joel are sleeping. And uh, they wake up or they're up already. And what, what happens is Joel pulls out. A, I think I believe Joel pulls out a gun. And then Henry runs over, grabs the gun from Joel because he didn't want Joel to kill Sam. So Henry's there with the gun. Joel doesn't want Ellie to die because Sam's attacking her. Henry takes the gun, kills his brother who's infected to save Ellie and to really put his brother down. Um, and then he just can't take it. He turns and he kills himself. He takes the gun. And that obviously that just, that brings, that, that makes everything a little bit more real for, yeah. um, Joel and Ellie because yeah they lost Tess and of course they lost people um you know Sarah everything but this was a very surreal you know moment for them so do you have any insight on that um just that it was a great reinvention of that scene because in the game like Joel is actually like he like grabs the, the gun and he's like you know like ready to shoot him and then Henry stops him. He's like, that's my brother, man. And like, they like have a brief argument about it. And then Henry shoots him. And then like, he like, he's like hysterical. And like Joel and him have more of a, not necessarily a conversation, but more of a back and forth a tiny bit. And then Henry kills himself. But I liked it in the show. Like I alluded to earlier, the only person he actually like killed violently was his own brother. And, like, I like that, like, he had that moment of, like, protective instinct and then was, like, oh, my God, what did I do? Like, it was, you know, like, enough of a difference that it still had the same emotional core, but it hit in a different way. That was an intense ending to that. That was uh, that was one of my favorite episodes. All right, so we have... Um, four episodes to go. So that was the end of the Pittsburgh section. So, uh, which essentially was the end of the summer uh, season. So now we're getting into uh, episode six, Kin. This is where we meet Tommy and um, Maria. Maria. Sorry. There we go. Go ahead. Tell me what you tell me what you think about this. We, uh, we obviously, we see, the town of Jackson for the first time, which will be, you know, we'll be there again in the future. But what'd you think about Jackson? Tell me uh, how it was to see it in live action now. Dude, and yeah. with yeah, Tommy uh, and Maria. In the game, when you meet Tommy, like they're like him and his troops are like at a dam, right? They're like trying to fix a dam or something. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, like um, Joel and Ellie have this like, altercation where they're stopped by some of the guys on horses and then they have a dog and it starts approaching Ellie and it's that like, was crazy yeah. is the dog gonna like tell that she's infected and then it somehow doesn't and then you know like they Joel says his name and then Maria lets him in so imagine my pleasant surprise when I see the town from last of us too yeah in this show i was so happy yeah. i was like oh my god it looked good it looked really good it, yeah it looks spot on did you watch the um the after the episode where they they showed behind the scenes on the set yeah it looked awesome 
Yeah, definitely. Um, and then, you know, uh, them, like, uh, eating food and Allie, like, being rude and stuff was funny. You know, like, because, like, she... I like that they had a scene like that because, like, she isn't used to that, like, properly interacting with people. This is the you know, first like, time she's more rough and it, like, it, like, yeah, it like rubs Maria the wrong way because she's like, "This freaking girl, what the hell?" The, you, I think her. I think she was amazing, actually. Who the lady that played Maria? Yeah, yeah, I thought she did great. Obviously, Tommy was he was a, he was a standout, but. Yeah, this was the first time that um, Joel and Ellie are in a civilized community, and it's actually working. So, yeah, she didn't um, know how to react to eating like a proper meal at a table, and obviously, um, then looking over and seeing uh, Dina in the distance. How do you feel about that? <laughs> well, that like people, I was seeing people like, oh, you know, like uh, Craig and Neil confirmed that was Dina, and it's like. No, I mean, well, they're like, and we see somebody, we don't know who, and then um, Troy was like, I was wondering who that was, and then um, Neil's like, well, you know, in part two, Dina tells a story about when she first saw Ellie, and it's pretty similar to this, but we're not saying it's it's Dina, but we're also not saying so. They they like kind of like made it ambiguous, which I it probably means it is. But it's they're not like they were like, with it. yeah, that was Dina. But I, that was what, that was, you know, my immediate thought. Yeah, we see the town of Jackson and the most significant thing that happens in this episode. And it's actually the, the same exact scene from the game. And I'm so glad they kept it the same. This is where um, Joel realizes that he is not the, the young guy he used to be and not as capable and he wants to leave Ellie with Tommy and have Tommy take her the rest of the way. Joel doesn't Joel doesn't want to continue with her. He talks to Tommy, talks Tommy into it. Ellie overhears it and gets upset. And she um it, it creates a, a wedge between um Joel and Ellie because Ellie only wants to travel with Joel. You know, she sees Joel as that figure now in her life, whatever it is, and Joel is trying not to see Ellie as the Sarah figure in his life. He's trying not to. But it's it's everything they're going through, it's almost impossible for him not to. So what he's doing is he's trying to separate himself from her by pushing her onto Tommy, which they both know would would not work out. I love that like Joel like has these he like he's like starting to have like panic attacks and stuff. Yeah, and then there's a moment where he thinks he sees Sarah. He thinks he sees Sarah, and then yeah, I love he sees that. that she has a daughter, and it's like him imagining the life that she could have had. Dude, I like I I talk to you about this plenty of times, but like I'm I'm somebody who I mean I'm single, but I don't want to have kids personally, just for the simple reason of you know it's a big responsibility, and I just want to have more independence. But there are also a few reasons, you know, insecurities I would have even if I did want them. And one of the things that I loved, I say loved in quotes because it obviously was, it sucks. Um, That conversation Joel has with Tommy helped me realize. That was, yeah, that wasn't another in the game, reason. I don't believe. How like he, yeah, that wasn't in the game. Like he's, 
just has this moment where he just breaks down. He's like, I can't protect her, you know, because I failed to protect her from some guy who snuck up on me because, you know, I can't hear properly in one of my ears. And, you know, like, I... The freaking part of that that, like, freaking gets me is when he says he has dreams, and then Tommy's like, what kind of dreams? And then Joel's like, I don't know, I don't remember, but I just know that when I wake up, I've lost something. I'm failing her in my sleep. That's all I do. That's all I've ever done. You know, like talking about Sarah, like he's just yeah. living in that moment, even when he's sleeping. And then he's waking talking up about and his, realizing that it's real like that. Yeah. He's talking about his real daughter, Sarah, Good that he God. keeps failing her every day. And now he doesn't want to do that with Ellie. Yeah. Like that was, that was like, and, and other thing where I'm like, this is something I wish was in the game. I get why it's not because you know, like you can expand in a in a video game more. But like th- th- this scene messed me up. Like I even like when I think about it, it just like chokes me up because it's like I saw like a middle aged version of myself, kind of. <laughs> now, yeah, and there's there's two things I want to add here. Um, one is this is what justifies the show. This is what makes the show better than the game. You know, I'm not saying in, 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 in it's entirely better or not, but moments like these, the, the emotional, you know, moments like, like this make the show um, better than the game. And Neil and, and Craig talk about it afterwards. They say, you know, we can't have the same action that you have in the game because at the game you're playing as these characters and you have the moment-to-moment gameplay, you know, with fighting the infected and whatnot. They can't have that action, that same type of um, experience in the show. But what they can have are these emotional moments and introspective moments for the characters themselves where you see Joel having panic attacks now. You get the insight into what he's thinking about, um, you know, the fallout from his life after the outbreak, as in Sarah dying and everything he's went through. And and we we find out, you know, a big revelation in the last episode that they're able to um, now explore the the deep, you know, emotional sides of these characters in this show that they could not do in the game. So I think specifically the end of this episode because this episode there was no action really yeah it was all you know intense you know emotion you know thought provoking character moments or character interactions with each other uh so i thought it was amazing i love that uh joel was like you deserve a choice and then before he can even finish talking ellie um gives him the bag he's like Okay, yeah. let's go. Like, she doesn't want to hear it. She's just like, I'm going to travel with you, of course, idiot. Like, that's what did you think you were going to do? Leave me here? No, you're not. <laughs> like, I thought that was a really cool, uh, kind of like a moment of self awareness for her. Like, she, it seems like, like, she can read him well enough. Yeah, it was unspoken. Yeah. We're together. No, it's you and me. I'll follow you. What does she say at the end? I'll follow you wherever you go. Wherever you go. Oh, God. At the end of episode six, she's like, I can't do this without you. And then I feel like that was him being like, I can't do this without you either. But yeah, it's because unspoken, yeah. you know, but it's still well, there. 
the end of episode six, I, I forgot it was a very quick part at the end in, in the game. It was a whole section, but they I actually hated how that happened in, in the show. Yeah, I did too. I really, I really, I also <laughs> hate how they did this. So give me um, how you wish it would have been done and then I'll talk about it and we can um, go on from there. Yeah, I like, because that was all, you know, like the whole section where they go to investigate and find out that the fireflies left, you know, um, and then like Joel, I get the reasoning behind it. Like in a game, you know, for like Joel to fall off of a balcony onto a spike and get impaled. That was one that was that like, was, I'll never forget that. Wasn't that wasn't too unbelievable because, you know, like in a game, you don't dive right away like you do in real life. You know, like you have a health meter and you can craft. But in the show, they didn't even do anything like Close. a smaller scale version of that. It was just like, it was like they ran out of time. And they were it, like, it was, I don't know, just have this happen. Like, Joel didn't even know he got stabbed. He didn't feel that he got stabbed until Ellie pointed it out. He fights like one dude and then he just chokes him out. And then that guy's stabbed. Like, what are we doing here? Like what? They should have done that like the game because the impact was crazy. I thought in the game that I actually like did something wrong and died. I thought it was one of those things where it was like, oh, this was the death animation. If you don't hit the right button, you know what I yeah. mean? And then he gets impaled by this rebar and he like gets up after and I'm like, this guy's dead. He has to be dead. I can't believe I'm actually playing this. I wasn't sure what was going to happen to animation. him. Yeah. With, with the way they do it in the show with, like you said, him getting impaled by, I think it was a bat or something. That was yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. The, the guy swings at him with a bat. He ducks, the bat breaks and then they get into like a little scuffle and then Jill chokes him out. And then I was like, Hey, and then hey, he looks down and like the, yeah. the broken piece of the bat was in him. And dude, I'm sorry, but this guy has been living in this post-apocalyptic hellscape for like, you know, 20 plus years. I'm sure he's gotten hurt before. Wouldn't he know if you get stabbed, don't pull out the thing that's stabbing you because it's just going to make you bleed out like it did? Well, in, in either way, the way that in the game with the rebar, you you aren't gonna be able to move unless you got up off of the rebar. So it wasn't yeah. like you had a choice. Yeah, they should have. There, there was no reason yeah. for Joel to remove the piece of the bat before he got on the horse. Like, or what did you think was going. gonna happen? Yeah. They made Joel stupid for this one section <laughs> for no reason. With here's here's my pitch. Left behind should have been half of the episode. In the first half of the episode should have been them, you know, showing up at the university and it playing out like it does in the game. And you get to see the full effect of, you know, him falling and and whatnot instead of the the four minute, you know, section we got at the end of episode six. Yeah, because like fit. as much as episode three and seven were, you know, great and stuff like well done, they did at times feel like, OK, we're going to do this pit stop. And now Joel yes. and Allie are going to resume their adventure. Like, okay. Where we go next is actually a DLC. And, you know, anyone that's played the game knows that this wasn't actually in the game. It was in a DLC released, I believe, the year after in 2014 uh, called Left Behind. Um, did you ever play Left Behind, like the original DLC? Yeah, I played it. I think I played it in... 
like 2020, like sometime oh, okay. after I played the first game. It's um, it's a backstory all about um, Ellie when she, before she met Joel, when she was with Riley and the fallout of that happened. And the significant thing about Left Behind is you see how she became, which not infected, but how she got bit and how Riley also got bit, but she turned and then Ellie describes it as they sat there, waited for each other to turn. Riley turned, but she never did. This episode is pretty straightforward. It's it's just about the DLC. So um, do you have any thoughts on Left Behind? I mean, I can't think of like much it does that the DLC didn't do, which is fine. It's probably like this in the game, but like I felt it watching the show, like after like Ellie kisses her and then like she's like, oh crap, what did I do? And then like Riley reciprocates her feelings. Like for that brief moment, I was like, okay, well, a zombie didn't show up yet. I wonder maybe, I don't know, maybe like, I didn't think it was going to have a happy ending, but I'm like, okay, how's this going to play out? And then the freaking zombie showed up. I'm like, damn it. Damn, like, you know. Yeah, I thought, I mean, I thought it was a great recreation. The mall was, you know, really great. Um, Yeah, just a sad story. It didn't hit me until I heard Troy talk about it again. In episode four, when she says, like, she's killed somebody before. I didn't put it together until recently that the first person she killed was Riley when she turned. Oh, that's true. Like, that sucks. (laughs) Did she actually kill her? I mean, I'm pretty sure. I can't remember. Pretty. I don't remember one much about the DLC to be honest. I I don't either. I only played it once, and that was when it came out. So like, you know, it's cool it's, DLC. It's it's cool seeing the backstory of Ellie. Yeah, and like bit. how it like ties into the present, where like she's like Riley didn't give up on her. So now like she's gonna be there for Joel. Like it gives her that push. And then we see near the end of that episode, like them. Like, she grabs his hand, and then, like, he grabs her hand. Like, that was just a subtle thing, like, yeah. Um, Well, I have a thought about that that I'll share. Yeah, so that's it um, for episode six and seven. I think, you know, both of those episodes, it brought the series down a little bit for me. Yeah. Yeah, so that's our thoughts on on how they handled that. So we're going to get into episode eight now. But, yeah, give me your thoughts on, on what you think. You know, I think um, Joel and Ellie are both the main characters. I don't see really one as, as more important than the other. Okay, I'll say, well, in f- fiction, there's uh, the main character is like wh- whose eyes we're seeing the story through. And then sometimes the protagonist is like who the story's centered around. And that can be a different character. Sometimes it's also the main character. I've I feel like the main character is Joel because we're seeing things through his eyes. Mm-hmm. But I think the protagonist is Ellie because what what happens to her and how she reacts to it is the crux of part two. Okay. Yeah. And that's interesting. And I don't like that, but I think, you know, I think you're right because that's obviously how it, it's happening. So that's interesting um, analysis of that. I think you're on to something. For the entire game up to this point, we are seeing it through the eyes of Joel. Obviously, uh, something big happens at the end of the university section when he falls, gets impaled. At this point, he's helpless. He's going to die if Ellie doesn't save him. So now, instead of Ellie relying on Joel, 
Joel has to rely on Ellie and the perspective switches. We start the winter section in the game uh, and we see the game now through Ellie's eyes as she is out, you know, hunting for food to keep Joel alive. Now, the way it does, they do it in the HBO series is it's similar. She's taking care of Joel in a house because she can't get back to Jackson. She doesn't know where to go. Obviously, she can't transport Joel. She got as far as she could. She's out hunting. You see her with the gun hunting deer. And then she runs into David and his group of cannibals, essentially. <laughs> That's how it starts. I like the way they um, start this episode. It's similar to how the game does it. And like I said, now we're switching over to more of Ellie stepping up and you know taking care of, of Joel. So what do you think about episode eight, When We Are in Need? Okay, I'm going to say... It's interesting because I compare this episode to like McDonald's or something. Like it tasted okay. Interesting. It didn't have a bad taste when I was watching it. Okay. But if you actually analyze, you know, like how they make the food or whatever, it sucked. It was lame. Like I, it was. They didn't really do any deviations except. I love in the beginning, like they're like showing more of David, you know, like being the leader of these people and he's, you know, like a preacher, you know, and like the girl in his group lost her dad and she wants justice. And then later you find out that that was the guy Joel killed who snuck up on him, presumably, or one of the other guys. And I thought that was cool, but like, it was so like, it just really felt like they didn't really know how to add much, like. Everything after that was just the bare basics of that part in the game. And that's it. Like, I knew everything that was going to happen. You know, it didn't like, it didn't surprise me. I mean, obviously the performances were great. We got to see a new side of Bella Ramsey as Ellie. She's like, you know, like trying to be tough. And she really comes into her own as a heroine in her own right, you know, because she has to fend for herself. I like that change that Joel doesn't like kind of save her at the end scott shepherd did a fantastic job playing david troy baker was great as james but did they he didn't really he didn't really have anything Literally. to do he didn't really have any but like by the end of it like it that part in the game hits so much harder because like it's switching back between ellie yes and then joel like you know making his way through this town that's like abandoned save for a few people and looking for her and like through a snowstorm I was, you know, which was awesome. I was like playing the game, like I gotta go save Ellie. I gotta, go, yes. I gotta kill this yes. guy. You know, one shot of Joel walking there, and then that's it. And then later he meets up with Ellie, and it's like, how do you mess oh. it up this bad? I gotta, I gotta give my thoughts on this real quick because in the game, when it's when when Ellie, you know, she's running from these people, and eventually she gets she gets caught by them. You find out that they're cannibals. They're trying to eat her or whatever they're trying to do, you know, Joel wakes up. He's, he's hunting her down because she's going to die. So yeah. he is on his way to save her. And I remember in the game, I never ran through a part in a video game so fast. I didn't stop for anything. Oh, I didn't wow. try to sneak. I didn't try to sneak through buildings to take people out. I ran down the main street guns out. Oh. Anybody I saw was getting popped. I was, going straight for Ellie. That that part was so it hit like you said, it hit so hard in the game. And I think in the show 
it just didn't hit as hard. As great as these, you know, actors did, uh, you know, as David, and I you know obviously Troy Baker did great. The game still this this winter part hits so hard, and I think this episode, what is it, episode eight, is where a lot of people start to go down on the series because of the production, because of the pacing, um, just because it's it's condensing things and it's leaving things out for the sake of you know reinventing something that in this case did not need to be reinvented. In the game, they actually never use the word cannibal. They don't refer to themselves as that. It's, yeah, the, it's very gross and ominous in in the game. David in the game is, I think, creepier than he is in the in the show, even though he did an amazing job. It's just because they're not sitting there like an evil villain explaining what they're going to do. In the game, it's just you you really think he's about to eat you. I mean, it's just... And other stuff. Yeah, like surreal. they, they yeah. made certain things more explicit because there's like... Apparently, like some people aren't very clear on the fact that in the game david is you know essentially also a pedophile yeah and then in the show i don't remember they, they do a, if that a moment bad job of over explaining i don't know if that moment in the show i don't remember that being it, in the game necessarily but it, it I mean, was it it was just more <laughs> here's how craig mazin describes it at the end of the episode he says that David is looking for his equal and he sees Ellie as that because yeah. the the look in her eyes that he saw at the beginning of the episode, he saw in himself and he, he sees her as an equal. That's how the show interprets it. In the game, he's not looking for an equal. He's uh, he's looking for a snack and either way you want to see it. So, yeah. essentially. I did love him talking about like he always had an evil heart and then, you know, like the cordyceps, you know, like kind of was like his God essentially. Cause you, you know, like they fight to protect their own, you know, like they do what they have to. And then mm -hmm. that was really fascinating. Like I was sitting there like, Oh yeah. I kind of, I kind of see what I'm talking about, what he's talking about. And I hate that. I see what he's talking about, but I liked how, because it's a, basically a, a, a group of cannibals that they, they use religion as a way of um, getting people to eat, <laughs> essentially, and yeah. serving serving people, um, to, you know, to other people. It's it's very messed up, but it could have been executed a lot better. This was a perfect case of show us and don't tell us. Yeah. And what they did was they they just told us and didn't show us much. Yeah, it was pretty ham fisted. Yes, I agree. Um, so any further thoughts on this episode? I think um, I think we covered it pretty good. But what about the ending? You you hinted a little bit at it to where he didn't save her. He doesn't save her necessarily in the game, yeah, but yeah, it does play out differently. I mean, like, because, like, Craig and Neil were thinking about the logistics. Like, well, if David had the key to the place, he would have locked it. So Joel wouldn't have been able to go in there, obviously. And then, like, they wanted... The emphasis, like, Ellie has to save herself. You know, like, she stays in there until she kills him. Joel doesn't come in. And then she, like, walks out. I hated that. And then hated he meets it. her. I mean, I feel like it could have been drawn out more. Like, if it was a longer episode, I'd imagine, like, her just, like, aimlessly wandering for, like, a few minutes or whatever. And then Joel meets up with her. But, like, it's like she she gruesomely kills david 
and then she walks out like five feet into the snow and then joel meets up with her it's like if they were just gonna have him be right outside then why like they might as well have just done exactly what they did in the game like i don't feel i hate that i didn't feel like it really justified having to be slightly different but not really different yeah it would have been fine to just do it like the game because i love the cold ending just the black cut the black yeah she doesn't need to run outside and have her breakdown i mean i do like that like now there's a wedge between them because she suffered a trauma that he has no idea about i think that's fascinating but they didn't really do anything with that they could have uh, made the last episode a little longer and touched that but at the end of episode eight i someone counted she she's hitting i think she hits david like 24 times or something crazy like that she just starts swinging when she's swinging i had to like look away a little bit i was like oh damn (laughs) i love i loved how they just drawn that out and then i love in the game where she just keeps she just keeps going until joel grabs her yeah pulls her off and just i choked up like that was when i really started to feel their bond i was like finally this this is what i wanted you know but i feel like that was probably the point but i'm not sure that part in the game like it is you just described it perfectly you that part in the game this is whenever they become father daughter right here yeah and then like now and yeah he calls her baby girl and that's yeah. a big thing because that was what he called sarah like yep same thing he called sarah and he does that still in the show it's just you see her run out and kind of have her break down herself outside before joel gets there and it's just kind of draw like i said it kind of draws it out i like the way they do it in the game it didn't hit me it yeah, like it didn't yeah. hit me as hard like in the game like from that moment on and then how they play with the gameplay mechanics in the final stretch of like you go to like a high ledge and press triangle and then you're used to her immediately being there to give her a boost up you press triangle and nothing happens she's not there. because she's yeah. just in her own. but so like in the show they kind they they did that in the best way they could but like there's no way it would even come close to how it is in the game because of using the mechanics of a game and like oh now this thing you've done a hundred times isn't working anymore and it like made me go like i like looked at looked at ellie after that happened and i'm just sitting there like oh man this sucks i didn't feel that in the show that much yeah and and that was um i think the last part that really brought the series down for me because the we're we're about to get into it now the last episode episode nine it's called look for the light i love this episode Uh, you know i think eight brought it the whole series down a little bit for me just the way they handled it so going into episode nine it's i believe the shortest episode which i I, I was a little worried problems with Uh, yeah i was a little worried seeing that um but the final product i loved it i think that last episode was was perfect i can get into why i think that but yeah um with episode nine let's just you know go ahead and give our analysis of the end of the series so go ahead and uh give me your thoughts on it since you had a little bit more um you had some more problems with it than i did like you know like it like starts kind of how i just said in the game where like joel's like talking to 
Ellie and like they do that thing with the sound mixing where like what he's saying is like echoey because like she's you know like spaced out she isn't really paying attention because you know she's traumatized by all this i love i freaking like went all again when like he's like yeah i was in this building and i found some chef boy rd you know you like that and i found this game you know that you could probably beat me at like he's kind of a different person now and you know if she hadn't went through what she went through like she would have been happy about it but you know she's just like oh okay cool and you know like he doesn't know how to react and then yeah like that whole conversation where in the game when he's like if you want to we can leave and then you know she's like after everything we've done after all we've been through i have to keep going but in the show they added like her saying you know i know you want to protect me and you have but i gotta do this and then later you know we can go wherever you want you know we can go i forget where she said and then she said sheep farm and i was like sheep farm yeah i'm in pain um (laughs) and then we can we can go to space freaking god my god like the references to part two in the show and then like she's like i'll follow you wherever you go and in a way i i sent you a message about this in a way she does yeah in a mental and emotional sense she 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 does in fact follow him where he wherever he goes and then god that freaking conversation where uh she's like i know what you're about to say i'm uh you know, you're you're trying you're you're trying to tell me the time heals all wounds, and he's like, it wasn't time that did it, because that comes right after they're having they're walking through very nonchalant through um, Salt Lake City at this point. You're in this is the spring section in the game. It's the last chapter. It's about an hour long. They're walking through the city looking for the um, Firefly compound. They're kind of just, um, like I said, nonchalant, like just going through it. Um, having conversations and she asked she asked him about the um the wound on his head oh yeah where he got it from and he says that um the day after correct me if i'm wrong the day after sarah died he tried to um kill himself and he missed and that's the scar from the bullet she says well i i guess time heals all wounds and he says it wasn't time that healed it i had to pause this doesn't happen to me that much when i'm like watching a movie or whatever but i I literally had to pause and just like cry for like a few minutes. The thing I love about art is that like I have a hard time like internalizing emotions and stuff, but I love it when I experience something in a game or whatever. I can like put put words to something I couldn't put words to. And then like that like made me think about like, you know, my relationships with people in a way that I hadn't really had before. Her reaction, like, she, like, kind of, like, starts to, like, tear up and stuff. And that, like, she doesn't really know how to respond to that. They do this thing where, like, they tell each other how they feel, but they don't. And then she's like, well, I'm really glad that that never worked out. And then he's like, yeah, me too. And, like, that's basically her saying, I'm glad that you're still alive. I just love that stuff. (laughs) You know, I have an analysis here, and I got part of it from, I think, um, the expert analysis of uh, Craig um, at the end of the episode, and the sentiment Joel's getting across is 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 just that it's time 
didn't heal it. That's all he says. And she, Ellie does not, Ellie can't comprehend that yet. It's not a lesson she, she learns until the second game. And there's an analysis uh, from Craig at the end of the episode. And he says, time doesn't heal anything. It's people that heal things. That's what he was saying to Ellie. She, she, she didn't understand that yet. Joel understood that. She doesn't understand that till the second game. So that was what that whole conversation was about, and it was it was one of the greatest um, one of the greatest moments in the entire entire season. It's just as good as any moment from the game, and I think this is a uh, a moment that justifies the show being you know being a thing, being worth making, and worth them putting this time and resources into to create. I think moments like these is you know that's what makes the show um better than the game so right before we get into the last stretch of this episode a very cool thing happened that we didn't even talk about yet it's the very um beginning of the episode a cold opening yeah. you see ashley johnson she's running and of course she plays ellie in the video game she plays um anna right in the show who is ellie's mother She's running through a field, being chased by an infected. She's pregnant. She runs into um, a barn that has a Firefly logo on it, and she's expecting help. Nobody's there. She's literally about to give birth. The infected you know, runs in. She gives birth. The umbilical cord still attached. The infected bites her. Then she cuts the cord, kills the infected. She's bit. She's about to die. Ellie is there. Presumably, that's how she is immune now because her mom was bit as the umbilical cord was still attached and then it was cut immediately after. Marlene shows up because her and Ellie's mom were lifelong friends. Her mom says, you know, she's safe. Please take her, watch over her, whatever, and then, you know, kill me. And that's what happens. It was one of the coolest moments. And then this is some insight and some backstory and just more development narrative we get that justifies the show, you know, being a show. And it's what it's what makes it, in some ways, in some aspects, better than the game itself. So that was my quick rundown of it because it was an amazing moment. So um, what's your thoughts on on this opening? Yeah, I uh, it was great to see Ashley Johnson, you know, like them bring the people that play the characters in the game. And they, they're all doing such an amazing job. I just want to put that out there because oh, yeah. I, I mentioned Marlene too. Marlene killed it. Ashley Johnson killed it. Troy Baker killed it. I mean, they're same with Jeffrey Pierce. All of these actors um, from the game that are now in live action, the show, they're absolutely, I mean, some of the best talent on the show. Yeah. Um, I love, uh, you know, like the idea, like I was like stunned just the idea of like having a baby in that kind of setting and like knowing that like, you know, like she had to leave her kid and just like imagining what that would have felt like. Um, I love that like small detail where she's like, you know, um, she tells Marlene that she cut the cord before she was bitten. And then she says it again. She's like, I cut the cord b before I was bitten before, you know, and like um, on the podcast, uh, they had Ashley on and like she was like talking about like, yeah, like them two have been friends for a long time marlene knows that she's lying and she knows that marlene knows that she's lying but it's one of those things that like she wasn't gonna you know like yeah fight with her on it 
And then, um, I don't remember in the g game. Is there like any reference to no? no? Nope. I know um, uh, Neil Druckmann actually said that um he had an idea for like a prequel yeah, game yeah. to be made by a different studio, but it never happened. Yep. Yeah. So like that was cool. Like that's probably like the best justification of the show because he's like, okay, yes. we're making this show. I didn't get to do this thing I wanted to do, so I'm gonna put yeah, a little. Yeah, couldn't bit do the spinoff game, so let's do a live action series. And I just want to give quick thoughts on that because Ashley Johnson did say that. Marlene and and Anna were lifetime friends. She knew she was lying. I don't buy that. Oh, interesting. I'll tell you why. And I think, you know, that's interesting that she said that, whatever. I, I don't believe that. Here's why. At least 14 years old. She doesn't get bit until weeks before she meets um, Joel. And that whole thing happens at the beginning of The Last of Us. Left Behind only takes place a few weeks before um the game does if marlene knew that her mom was lying she wouldn't have waited until she was 14 14 years later until she got bit and saw it to actually take her and run tests on her she had 14 years to take her to any facility and a lot changes in 14 years this was only six years after the outbreak happened there was probably more infrastructure, more doctors, more resources, a lot more, a lot more that she could have taken the, you know, the newborn to, to run tests or anything. They could have gotten blood from the newborn and studied it. You know what I mean? So why, if she knew that she was lying, not do anything about it until something happened, you know, in the future, like you see in Left Behind, the DLC, um, and Marlene finds out. So that's kind of why I don't buy it. Um, I mean, know, that's an interesting argument that i'm hearing that i never really thought about of like how marlene kind of wasn't like a good no parental figure because like she just like dumped yeah ellie to this fedra school fedra. and is like okay have fun like she but, didn't but really... she would have had to been uh you know that let's say let's just say five years old that would have been five years that you assume marlene was taking care of ellie you know what i mean so it's not like she just went back and handed this newborn to Fedra, here you go. Maybe she did, but she was a firefly, so why would she? She would have kept her with the fireflies. So what happened? You know what I mean? I just don't buy that. Yeah, that they makes were me, because it seems like in the game, like, they know each other. But in the show, Ellie doesn't know who she is. I like that so they added that, that. That's what I wonder, you know, yeah, like, I just what don't the buy that is. explanation. Yeah. Um, anyways, that scene was amazing. I love the explanation of of that and how she's um, immune. That's it's interesting. That's not anything you see in any any other um, post apocalyptic fiction. You know, you know what yeah. I mean. Great utilization of Ashley Johnson and the opening of the final episode. Amazing, you know, development for Ellie's character. Loved it. Anything else you want to say about that? Uh, I know I just threw a lot at you. No, that's fine. Um, I kind of wish the episode was longer because I, when I heard she was going to be playing Ellie's mother, I expected something. Dude, she killed it. That I was hoping that like it would have been like a larger thing. But I mean, I think about it now, and it's like, well, I think it was about as long as it needed to be. So I mean, you know, I yeah, 
I thought it was great. Um, it was a great way to like we see b- before the end of the story, like see the beginning of Ellie. You know, with this final episode for season one, you see the beginning of how you saw how everything started and how everything is about to end. Yeah. So speaking of how everything's about to end, they're walking through Salt Lake City talking and you see smoke bombs, smoke grenades come out and then fireflies run out and capture them. And this is the beginning of the end. Was Joel right? Just explain this last part with them going into the hospital and what exactly happens in the fallout. And so, you know, Joel wakes up and then Marlene's like, I came out here with some guys and we barely made it. How did you two make it? And then, you know, um, he's like, can you just bring me to her? And then she says, she's being prepped for surgery. And then Joel's like, uh, excuse me, what? And then, you know, she's like, infection grows in the brain. So we have to dissect her brain, take out a sample, analyze it, which you could, people argue over how scientifically sound that is. Did the fireflies know what they were doing? I think that's missing the point. Uh, I'd like the idea that as long as they think they're doing what they need to do, it doesn't matter whether it would have worked or not. But some of the, some fireflies are walking Joel out and then he goes Punisher mode and he takes them out. What we get is uh, probably the best way that they could have recreated the experience of Joel mowing down these dudes. It's like a montage with like a remix yeah. of the theme and unforgettable. Know, he's just bam, 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 bam. And it's, it's haunting. Like it makes him, it's like the scene in the first His Terminator movie where he's like killing people in the p- police station. Like it shows, you know, that That's this, true. this is a bad thing that is happening as much as people but like what to is debate. The- what is the bad thing happening? Is it him killing soldiers to protect his daughter, or is the bad thing happening uh, that is happening? These people dissecting someone's someone's brain who you know may or may not this it may or may not work. It might be for nothing. You might be killing this person for nothing. That's I mean that's the yeah you know, that's the argument. Yeah, I think it's a bit of both because I think like I think thought about this the other day he's basically you know like selfishly wanting to protect ally because he doesn't want to lose another daughter figure so yeah. that's why he does this but and you know like the alternative is like they're gonna let her die possibly for nothing but th- th- this whole thing wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for marlene like marlene you know in the beginning she's like hey joel um hey ellie you're immune I want you to go do this for me. I'm not going to tell you specifically what's going to happen, but just yeah. trust me. Shut up. Hey, oh, oh, Joel, you're here. Okay. Can you bring her over here? Don't ask no questions because I didn't tell her anything. I'm not going to tell you anything. And, you know, we're just going to do this and I'm not going to be upfront about anything. So, like, it's also kind of Marlene. So, like, I mean, I think anybody who says that, like, they wouldn't murder people to, protect one of their loved ones in a life or death situation is being really dishonest because why it's it's there's no clear answer for this yeah you you sympathize with him uh well you empathize with him you know so what does he do he um kills everybody he run he busts into the operating room he kills 
a doctor. And then he kills. <laughs> uh, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. Dot, dot, dot. Um, we will see more of this poor man's <laughs> corpse in the future. Um, he kills everyone else in the operating room. He uh, grabs Ellie, carries her out, gets to the parking garage. Marlene shows up. They're talking. And then, bang. He just started blasting. Takes out Marlene and uh, leaves with Ellie. How do you think they handled that? It was pretty much uh, frame for frame uh, with how the game uh, did that sequence. Yeah, I think uh, Troy said the line, uh, you would just come after her better. Like I've, like I've seen people on TikTok like comparing the two. I think uh, Troy said it in a more menacing way, but I think Pedro said it in a more matter-of-fact way. So I think they both work. You know, I think they're both great in kind of different ways. Well, I think um, Troy did it with more emotion, but Pedro did it with more of a stone cold look in his yeah. eye. So I don't know which one is more menacing. They're both like both versions are. Um, they're they're great. So I, you know, I love that. I love that it's not. Exa- I'm glad they didn't have you know Troy Baker redo what he already did. I love that there's two versions of it. Yeah. I think Pedro killed that. Yeah. Um. I said. Uh, Earlier, I have a bone to pick with Bella Ramsey mm-hmm. because on Twitter I saw like she was saying that you know the finale is gonna d- divide people, and for some reason I was like, "Wait, are they gonna do something different?" So then I I had this like slight thought in my head like, "Okay, what are they gonna do that's different? That's gonna divide people?" But I mean, it played out the same. But I think she. she she was talking about how the game did yeah the shows also so you know that was you know whatever um i actually on the podcast they asked ashley because like everyone had their own ideas of like you know like what certain things meant and then when ellie because like later like they're like walking up a hill to go to the town where tommy lives and then ellie stops him she's like so swear to me that everything you told me that happened is true and then he said i swear and then she's like okay when they asked well, ali referring mean, to he um just real quick because i want to explain why they had that conversation he uh, uh, yeah. when he left when he left in the car um from salt lake city with her she wakes up and she asks what's what happened and he basically said that there was nothing they could do um there was no cure so yeah. they left. He left with her. He, you know, he didn't explain that they were about to, you know, dissect her brain for a cure, and he killed everybody and took her. Um, you know what I mean? So yeah, she was under the impression impression that there was no cure. There was nothing that anybody could do, and you know, she's kind of doubting that because, you know, he he did he lied to her. She she knows that she could sense it. So then that's how they get to this final conversation. Yeah. Um, where she f- confronts him about it and he says that he, you know, he swears that he told her the truth of what happened. Yeah. Well, when they ask Ashley Johnson, what her interpretation is, she said something that I never thought about. But then after she said it, I was thinking about like how this feeds into part two. And I think it makes sense. Her view of it is that her saying, okay, is like, okay, I, 
asked you to be honest and you're choosing to lie to me, okay, we're done. You, you, you know, like, you know, that okay is like, uh, a, see. Yeah. like a thing of finality. Like, okay, all right. You know, it's not like, okay, I believe you. You know, it's yeah. like, all right. I see that's how it is, you know, and that makes it because you see what happens in part two. Like she has these lingering doubts and then they get confirmed. I'm not going to spoil the heck out of part two, but yeah. And there's so many ways to interpret that one word and how it's delivered. Okay. Because I don't interpret it that way. Whoa. Um, what's your take? My take is she knew he was lying. Um, but everything they've been through she wasn't um she she just she knew he was lying but she went along with it anyways i mean that is kind of what happened because like yeah. you see like you know like it's not like after that their relationship is just terrible like you know they're you know having like really fun times growing closer together but there's also yeah. like i think it's both like she's you know accepting it kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt but i feel like in the back of her mind she's still like okay but it still doesn't make sense and then well in reality she gets she proof knew. of it she's yeah. like i knew it you know she she's trying to deny you know she's trying to deny the reality of it because the reality of it is she knows that he's lying but she's denying it in her head because this is joel yeah she doesn't want she doesn't want joel to be lying to her but she knows that he's lying to her which is also one of the things that, like, I've is one of the reasons that I think, like, Joel in this situation isn't innocent, even though that's what a lot of fans would say because media literacy is dead. RIP. We live in a society. Um, because why, if Ellie wouldn't have, you know, found that recording saying that, like, of, I think it was Jerry saying that, like, you know, like, it seems like we're really going to be able to make a cure or whatever, you know, like, they were sure about, like, she finds that out and then she asks him, if that didn't happen, he probably would have just let her live a lie forever. Like, he, he never, like, it's not that he didn't want to tell her the truth right away. It really seems, at least to me and some people, that he was never going to. And that's not yeah. okay. Like, you know, like, he couldn't have that conversation. Like, because he didn't want to lose this thing that, you know, he had in his head. Like, you know, like, he found... It was just extremely selfish. Yeah, like, he found a new daughter. He's like, I'm not going to ruin that. I've yeah. been through way too much. And it's like, I get it, Joel, but, dude, this is kind of your fault. Well, he has a new daughter now, and... He will do anything not to lose her, even if it means ruining her life. But taking that's also, away her, uh, her, um, what she wants. And because she wanted to sacrifice herself for a cure, but that would have meant that Joel, Joel would have lost her. And he, he wasn't going to do that again, even if that meant, um, going against specifically what she wanted. Yeah. But, um, uh, Craig and Neil said, like and it's true like all parents lie in some way to protect their kids and that's the way i view it so i never that's thought just how it is he like, did anything wrong no parent 
always tells their kids the truth about anything. In fact, I say when you're younger, they don't tell you the truth about a damn thing. Ever. So <laughs> it's yeah, and it's not Joel's um, responsibility to save humanity. It's not Ellie's responsibility yeah. to save humanity. If if there's a possibility that she could have, okay, that's a possibility. There's also a possibility that um, they continue doing what they were doing, and that's what happens. Um, you know, I guess I guess some people are are upset because they feel like maybe it's the moral, you know, it's the ethical thing to do if she's able to make a cure for humanity that she should do it. But in reality, it's not either of their responsibilities to do that. The problem is, is that Ellie did want to do that. And Joel wanted to be selfish and not lose another, I mean, uh, another daughter. Basically, I feel like part of why she said like she wanted to do it afterward is just because like, yeah, I think she kind of said that in hindsight survivor's guilt you know what i mean because like i like it's easy to say something once you've experienced something because you'll never be able to see the other outcome you know what i mean like so like yeah it's like that like same thing like say when you're younger you know you you fall in love with somebody or like you have feelings with somebody but you never pursue a relationship with them and then like they just vanish off the face of the earth you could say man if i could travel back in time i would have made a move but you, there's no way you could know that you know like maybe you're telling the truth and maybe you're not it really doesn't matter like it's all about how you feel about it in the moment it's about the perception and it's about the infinite um possibilities and, and questions that it leaves because that's essentially what the game did and why it's so divisive that's what bella ramsey said on on twitter all oh, this is going to divide a lot of people yeah, the original game did, and the ending is is left up for debate. And people have been debating it for ten years now. Um, I've had ten years. I've been wanting to talk about this on a podcast, um, <laughs> but uh, that answer, um, well, that question gets answered in part two, which um, I, I am not covering until the season comes out. <laughs> yeah. So how do you how do you feel about the overall? first season of the last of us on hbo max and you know give me your final thoughts on where they left it off how they how they um did the ending and your overall uh takeaway and thoughts for the entire season i think overall it was mostly the best case scenario because like you know like i have my ideas about how I would have done this show and I would have done this differently and I would have expanded on this and I would have made it longer here and I would have, you know, put more of this. But at the end of the day, if they left me and other fans in charge of these things, they would be terrible. Like any problems you have with them now, they would be like my last of a show. Like people would probably be like, this is boring why didn't the outbreak start until the beginning of episode three what's going on i don't want to see joel pouring concrete i don't want to see sarah talking to her female friends about this cute kid in her class about this cute boy in her class you know so it's like i you know like for as much reservations as i had about the show i feel like it mostly alleviated them and i mean I haven't stopped thinking about it and I probably won't stop thinking about it 
for quite a while. And true art. And I mean, it's brought a lot of people into this fandom that, you know, weren't really people that played games. They're probably going to, you know, play the games now. And, you know, like they're making videos talking about the show and, you know, like it's reigniting the conversation, which in some ways I'd argue is a bad thing, but that's just how it is with, you know, people that love things and fandoms, you know, you're going to have all sides of it. But I think this, the fact that it's brought a 10 year old game back into the public consciousness and, you know, like they can, like people can analyze it. Who and it still it still means something. No, like now, like a whole new group of people can analyze it. Like you know, people that know it and people that know it can maybe see it in a different way, or you know, finally speak out on how they've always seen it. And I think that's what an adaptation should do. You know, it it should it should show people how great the thing is, instead of having other people tell the people who didn't know it. Oh, yeah. You, you should just play the game because the adaptation sucks. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. not what happened here. And I think what more could you ask for? I see clips of, um, yeah, exactly. I see clips of people now saying, wow, I can't believe this story came from a video game. That the medium of, of video games, they're capable of telling stories and, and crafting, you know, art like this. And that's what a successful adaptation um, accomplishes. Uh, it, it reaches a whole new audience and a whole new demographic and it introduces them to stories and experiences like this from video games. Of course, you're not playing it. You don't, you're not, you don't have a controller, but you're, you're um, still experiencing the story that they told in 2013 and the last of us. And, you know, they're, they're able to take liber liberties now and, expand on the content and um, still be thought provoking in different ways. The journey is a little different. The um, execution is a little different. Um, but the outcome still is, is, is powerful and, and makes you think just like it did before. Um, you know, we're still, we're debating and, and analyzing the end and there's no definite answer to it. And that's fine. You know, we, we each walk away with our own interpretation of it. And, you know, we could uh, sit here and analyze it for hours, and we kind of have because we're. This will definitely be the longest one yet, and I'm looking forward to editing this because it's the Last of Us, and the Last of Us will always get a pass. Yeah, um, we'll we'll talk about the Last of Us for as long as we want. One of the greatest games ever, and all I gotta say is that the show, in a lot of ways, is better than the game. In a lot of ways, this you know the show accomplishes what the game did but more so in a better way but what i will say is the game is a 10 out of 10 for a game the show is not perfect the show is not a 10 out of 10 yeah definitely but there's not. a lot of things the show does that um better than the game does so that's kind of my analysis of it the show is definitely worth watching it is top tier it is great but the game's a 10 out of 10 go play the game Oh, yeah. Like, one of the best things I could say about it is that it's made me want to revisit the game even more than I already yeah. did. Part one. Yeah. Yeah. They they remade the game, and a lot of people were upset they remade the game. Um, I played the original a few times. I played the remastered a few times. Um, I started playing part one, the remake, on PS5. So, 
perfect time to go revisit it. Part one on PS5. Um, you're literally playing through the best version of, of this story. So I agree. So that's our lengthy discussion on season one of The Last of Us on HBO. Man, I need some water or something. <laughs> Whew. That was, we, we talked a lot. We had a lot of insight and analysis. So thanks for coming on and talking about this with me. I know we both love this IP and have varying uh, thoughts on it, especially when it comes to the um, part two of, of The Last of Us. The, the episode that for that season or multiple ones to tell that story are probably going to be like six hours. I can already. Yeah, that's going to be probably a little longer because there's going to be a little bit more. Um, uh, let's just say discussing our certain viewpoints of it. Yeah. Either way, let's wrap it up. Thanks for coming on. Anything else you got to say before we head up? Hey, uh, any studios that want to do any adaptations of any video games or anything else? Uh, this is your blueprint. It's really not that hard. Stop making it seem like rocket science. I like it. That was a great way uh, to, to send send it off here. Last thing I got to say is I'm very excited for The Last of Us Part 3. Yeah. We'll have a completely separate discussion on that. So thanks for coming on. It was a lot of fun. We're going to end it there because, you know, I'm tired of hearing your voice. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a good one.